Good evening and uh, welcome to the Dr. Lake Show. This is Dr. Paula Lake. So happy to be here. Uh, another episode today and uh, continuing our conversation from previous shows where we focused on the lies that we tell ourselves. This is all part of self-regulation. Um, how do we learn to manage our mood? And one of the conversations I had with Ginny Gosen last episode was really about unpacking the types of beliefs we end up forming as a consequence of our life and how it impacts our life. And these beliefs are happening under the surface, whether we're thinking about them or not, they're, they're driving us. And so I'd like to continue that conversation a little bit more specifically on how do we actually get to changing these beliefs once we've identified them, like what's some, what are some of the ways we can look at that? And uh, I'm here with my regular uh, assistant, helper, tech help, uh, helping in all directions, actually, uh, Dylan Soriano Powling. Hello, Dylan. How are you doing Hello, tonight? Paula. I'm doing great. How are you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. You've been enjoying your week and your weekend so far? Yeah, it's been awesome. The winter's coming in. We had a bit of snow today. So. Oh, you did. Oh, yeah, poor yeah, you. That's, <laughs> that's going to be a thing now, I think. Well, maybe you can tell people where where are you that you're uh, experiencing some snow at this stage? Um, we're kind of right on the border in the middle of BC, Grand Forks. Yes. Um, yeah, so it's, we're, we're, where we are is like, kind of like a desert in the summer yes um, but it's surrounded by mountains so we get a lot of the alpine climate i guess well you get the seasons uh, you actually get a summer yeah, yeah. And you get you know unlike uh, us uh, vancouver islanders who get kind of a temperate climate throughout the year with maybe one or two snow days <laughs> yeah not complaining here though not complaining yeah no it's an awesome place yeah. to be wonderful so you know we had a little bit of chat earlier we're gonna continue really the conversation about um, identifying and changing beliefs we framed it last uh, time as lies we tell ourselves um, really are beliefs that we are we grow up with that we learn from our environment we we tend to believe all that we hear I don't know if you've had any reflections on our conversations recently Dylan or thoughts about it I feel like the more we dive into this topic on um, like emotional intelligence and regulation, the, the more I'm starting to realize that there's a lot going on um, behind your own scenes yes. that really is dictating how you feel, um, the decisions you make. And uh, it's just been like, it's been a really insightful experience for, for me. Um, and it's definitely been causing a lot of like introspection, which is really good. Really yeah. taking the time to look at things from a different angle. Um, but it's just, it's made me feel like within myself that, um, wow, there's a lot that I'm maybe not paying attention to. And now that I, I, I am a bit more, um, now I want to know how, how can I kind of fix some of these beliefs? How, how do you <laughs> so do I'm really it? excited about today's, today's episode. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, yes, and I think that's the thing. I, I remember coming across a quote that said, um, and it, you know, for me it sounded fairly dramatic, but it said, an unexamined life is not a life worth living. I thought, wow, you know, that's pretty intense statement. Um, and as we can hear, I have a, a, a dog that is uh, wanting to join us tonight. What do you think about having her join us? I, I, yeah, thought, I thought the dog was with <laughs> us. Um, how about I go? I, I think she might have like snuck away for a bit. She snuck away. I, like, <laughs> I'm gonna pull her in. Let's let's see how long I can keep her out there. She's if she's, I, I I'm happy to share her with everybody. I do have on Instagram a picture of my dog, which uh, is uh, kind of the sunshine, you know. At, at, <laughs> The beautiful statement um, is having the, it's the sunshine amidst the clouds. You know, you have the 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 dog that adds a little bit of um, uh, helps with self regulation. Let's put it that way. Um, so we'll see. We'll we'll play it by ear. But um, just to continue with the conversation of uh, starting from last episode, I, I I wanted to sort of think of this utopian idea of how we could be our best selves. You know, I like to think that everyone has a potential and everyone has something to offer, to share with the world. Um, we all have a, a something, a gift, and I think we take some of those gifts for granted, whether you have the ability to listen and you're a really good listener and you're compassionate, whether you're good at nurturing, whether... Um, these are things we often relay skills as far as um, having this extraordinary talents, but we don't need extraordinary. We can just be very good at, at certain qualities. In an optimal environment, we will not have as many limiting beliefs in an optimal environment. And the beliefs we have are really important so in the ideal world, we grow up with a family that is nurturing. We develop secure attachments. We have um, an environment around us that empowers us, that listens, that uh, teaches us and, and guides us towards how to navigate adversity. And, you know, that would be the ideal circumstance. We walk out of our childhood into sort of fully formed beings that are ready to tackle the challenges of the world. That's ideal. <laughs> and I think everything else is, perhaps in the real world, we don't always deal with the ideal. And we're not always handed down the optimal family environment. Sometimes parents separate. Sometimes we have um, parents that haven't dealt with their own issues and and they end up intergenerationally pass intergenerationally. I can't even say that word if it is one, but pass it down to our our children. And unfortunately, whether it's abuse, bullying, even the larger context of society, those are the primary years that these beliefs get formed. And we can certainly change beliefs as adults. Um, one thing I do want to point out, between 2 to 12, those are our primary formative years of, of beliefs that tend to shape us. Um, and in the absence of corrective information, that's what we walk out of. 
So really, I'm operating right now off the assumption that we are perhaps starting off not with necessarily the optimal environment, that we've um, perhaps had parents that had their own limiting beliefs. And there's a way that I like to think about it. I don't expect my family to be perfect. I don't think any of us can expect our family's environments to be perfect. Um, uh, You know, perhaps they shape part of who we are. Um, But I do think that uh, we can uh, learn to navigate family, family, uh, non-optimal environments in our adulthood. And we can, we may not have that power as children, but as adults, we do have more choice. And if we weren't in that optimal environment, then we can start to create it in a way that can help us overcome some of those primary learnings that we've had um, and and move beyond it. And, and that's the part I really want to focus on for this show is, um, you know, be, how do you how do you go about that? Um, and, and we did talk a little bit about becoming self-aware of them. You know, for example, there can be unspoken family rules that you grew up in um, that says you're selfish to think of yourself, to do what you want is selfish, or, or perhaps beliefs that say that um, it's really bad to make mistakes, and if you make mistakes, you're going to get punished and shamed. And those are sh- life-changing beliefs that we, we adopt. So, and, and they're tied to our state. So one thing I, I really want people to understand that we need to start letting go of the separation between your thoughts and your body. And, um, you know, it may be even optimal to think of um, uh, what, is, what is a state comprised of? Uh, I remember Tony Robbins talking once about a state. He says a state includes different components. One component is um, the actual beliefs you're carrying. Um, Another component, let's say depression. We're going to use depression as an example. Depression um, comes probably with more limiting beliefs, negative thoughts. Would you not agree, Dylan? Like when we tend to get depressed, suddenly our... Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, It's... Even when you're not depressed, it's really, I think, easy to have a negative aspect about yourself that you think overrides all of the positive aspects. Absolutely. Um, even just like being a normal person. Yes. Um, yeah. I think that's one of the most difficult um, things to get over is, is letting that negative thing be the thing that steers you instead of all of the good things about you. Absolutely. And, and, um, you know, uh, it affects energy level. One thing I find interesting is when we're in a depressed state, uh, we tend to have fatigue, forgetfulness. Um, we can't concentrate. So I, I'm highlighting that because I want people to realize that our our states, our, these limiting beliefs we may carry within us, also have a negative impact on functioning and arousal. Uh, Dr. Vanderkoek is uh, specializes in trauma, and one of the things he looks at in the brain is he says there, you know, our beliefs are um, very, very tied in uh, with with the physiology in the body. Um, our states affect 
our arousal system. So when we're depressed, we might sleep more, we might sleep less, um, perhaps we'll um, consume more, we'll behave differently. So when we're in different states, we behave differently. You know, sometimes we can function really well, and then we get hit with a depressive state and we stay in bed all day. We don't do anything. So it's really artificial to say that a belief exists or a pattern of beliefs in absence of a physiological reaction. And I think it's important to know that because it gives you a window into knowing different pathways to changing a state. You know, I can change my thinking, but maybe I can change my physiology too. And uh, they may have a, a relationship. You know, if I start changing even my behavior, if we look, uh, Tony Robbins had it as a triangle where we have the physiological reaction to that state of being on one end. On the other hand, we have the language of that state. The things we say, like, who cares? I'm not good enough anyways. What's the point? Um, and then we have the behaviors, right? The, the, the things that we're doing and our actions are these elements uh, comprise a state. And that's why sometimes it can be really hard to change a belief when it's tied to a state. And, you know, someone comes to you and you're depressed and they're telling you, cheer up, buck up, the life isn't that bad. But physically you're feeling drained and tired and your motivation is low. And, you know, those words just don't sink in. We can't, we're not as receptive when we're in states. That's why when I try and and work with um, emotions, it's creating a state that allows us to receive information. You know, the more aroused I am, the more physiologically stressed I am, um, the less likely I am to even be listening and tuning into what's happening around me. And if someone even is trying to enhance my state, I will reject it. So there's a tendency for us to want to hang on to the beliefs that we already have formed. And even more than that, there's a tendency to have a confirmation bias. So we tend to confirm the states we're in. And I think it's, it's, it's interesting to sort of look at it that way. Why do we do that? Um, you know, the, the first thing I like to distinguish is what's the difference between a belief and a thought? Um, a thought is something I might have once, you know, I might think, oh, darn, I really can't stand that person next door, but I might not think that again. A, a belief is a persistent pattern of thinking. It's something that is a common go-to place that we go to. It's something that's rigid, a little harder to change. You know, there's a saying I remember, um, listening to, which said, um, you know, we can change a law in an instant, but it takes a lot longer to change a mindset. So beliefs, it really speaks to how beliefs are well-formed um, and patterned. There's, I'd like to give one example of, of how I try and have people understand why a belief might be so rigid and changing. Um, imagine uh, a tall grass field. Do you remember I asked you this one? I'm going to ask you this again. Imagine a tall grass field. And I ask you to walk through that field. Um, 
what do you think would happen to the grass on the section that you walk? Very topple over. It would topple over, right? And now imagine that you've walked that same pathway you started uh, a thousand times. What would happen to that path? Grass would stop growing. Grass would stop growing. You'd have a well-paved path. So over time, why would you bother starting a new path if you have a well-paved one to walk through, right? Now, if I asked you... I'd like you to go down um, a new path and create a new path. Which one do you think would be more comfortable to go down? The one that you've already created that's easy without obstacle or starting a new path? From experience of, yeah, starting a new path is It's harder. It's harder. It's less Um, comfortable. You have to knock down more obstacles. That is a well, that would be an example of a, a thought pattern that's been walked many times. It's become uh, sturdy, strong, easy to go down to the point that it's even uncomfortable considering changing a thought process because it doesn't fit with who we think ourselves to be. And if I've walked a certain belief system many times, I will also likely have a filtering bias. Um, Like an example, you know, when you go out to buy a car and you're interested in a car, like I I got myself the Honda SI, you know, sports model, which I liked, uh, you know, still, it still has the practicality of a Honda Civic. Um, I've never seen those cars as much as when I purchased mine. Now, now I notice them all over the place. (laughs) <laughs> so our brain is has a confirmation bias and and we're we're primed to see the things that we already believe in. And that's that's another reason that beliefs are hard to change if if I operate in a world that says mm, people are thieves and out for themselves and they they can't be trusted. I think I could find pretty good examples of that. Right, I, and I, I think I'll be honed in to find those examples, and that's what makes it harder to change a belief because now not only do I believe it, um, but now I see it everywhere, <laughs> because my brain now is really going to be tuning in to seeing all those instances which exist. Reality is uh, multifaceted. <laughs> you know, we see the I, yeah, Dylan. I think. We live in a time right now, too, where our confirmation biases are um, they're fed to us based on like social media, for example, on Facebook. Oh, uh, once the platforms yes. start to understand what you believe, they want to tell you what you believe. Um, they're not there to try and shake up your world. They want you to be comfortable and they want you to. Yeah, it's re- it's reinforced. It's reinforced. Absolutely. And, and I think critical thinking is that's why it's that much more important. And being able not necessarily to believe everything you think. <laughs> because we, I always think, we, we never really know the truth. We are estimators of the truth. And, you know, um, and truth is, can be a, um, a, can seem malleable and changeable depending on even our moods. You know, one day the world is a beautiful place and the next day everything, every, you can't trust anybody. And, it you know, that's why, 
it's so important to take those times to um, reflect on what is triggering the state you've you've acquired. Um, but and then they operate on an unconscious level, which is another reason it's it makes it more challenging to change them. But in spite of all these challenges, uh, the truth of the matter is um, we can, and that's what I I find amazing. We are we do not have to be imprisoned by the stories we've been fed. We do not have to be imprisoned by the stories that we've told ourselves. Um, actually, I was listening to uh, a quote that uh, Oprah Winfrey had picked up, and I thought this was an interest, interesting story she she had shared. Um, she she shared that when she was young, um, that she um, uh, was had to recite at church a um, certain saying. I'm trying to look for the saying itself. It was I thought it was quite amazing, but. Um, that she um, had to do a presentation or, or a, um, at a church. And one of the things that she did is um, uh, do a quote. And, and let's see if I can find it, because if I can, it would be brilliant to share it. I have it here in my, my, um, my notes. Hmm. Well, so much for that. It was a it was a really Oh yeah, here it is. Okay, I am the master of my fate, the captain of my soul. So this was um a statement that she picked from uh, Invictus by William Ernest Henley. That was a statement that she picked up. She was a child at that point, which is interesting because when we're children, we're in alpha theta. The the brain waves are in alpha theta. And alpha theta is a state that makes us more receptive. That's why uh, alpha theta is a more creative state. It's a brainwave state. Um, we can access alpha theta as adults when we're in a relaxed state. But what's interesting, Oprah was still young enough at that point that she was, we soak in information. And, and that was a statement that she grabbed onto. I am the master of my fate and the captain of my soul. And she said that from that point on, she made it her mantra. I am the master of my fate and the captain of my soul. And I think, what a great mantra to pick up at a young age. Well, how brilliant. Those aren't the mantras. That was that? You have to almost, um, I think it's something you almost have to pick up at a, a young age. Absolutely. As you get older, like you're saying, it's really hard to like hear something like that and really like put it inside of you and live by that and to live so. by it. But you know, when we're young, we're, we're more impressionable and that's why the role models and what we access can bring life to us. Um, if we have them and, but I, I, I don't want to emphasize that's the only time we can bring that into our adult life. And we have a, a wealth of mentors out there that can guide us to um, starting to, change and and bring in and i think what what's really interesting is that she called it a mantra which speaks to some of the um considerations for changing a belief because mantras are wonderful the things that um you repeatedly tell yourself so i'm going to give an idea there's three i think there's probably more than three maybe four there's probably more ways that we can change beliefs um but I'll, I'll, I'll pick out the ones that I think are the most poignant ones. The one is um, 
is, I, I was going to say repetition, but I didn't actually want to start with that, is relaxation and being in the present moment. Okay, and I'm going to give you a little bit of a, of a background information on that. <sighs> so when I'm in the present moment, my body is more relaxed. When my body is in a relaxed state, the deeper a relaxed state my body is in, the more it goes into alpha theta. Alpha theta is a brain state somewhere between sleeping, somewhere between being awake. It's that place that you go to when you um, can absorb yourself in the here and now, where your mind isn't dominating and taking you in all these different detours, where you can go into a focused, relaxed state that your brain changes into alpha-theta. And the more relaxed that state in, the more that the resistance decreases to, um, to new thoughts, new beliefs. Um, that's probably why uh, sometimes when we are impacted by an experience and it affects us profoundly, whether a movie brought us to tears or... or a profound moment where your body relaxes and opens up and receives information. So you're wanting to create a state that I would call a state of receptivity, a state that allows you to even receive information. Um, I can tell you as a clinician, when I've sat in with clients, um, you know, my giving advice, I might, I might certainly give information, but a giving advice and and just telling people what to think is not the ticket. I think it's helping people create a state in which they are more receptive to life-giving beliefs. And, you know, I, I for any listeners that might be aware of this, when, when we are um, flooded by emotion, if I'm flooded by anxiety, if I'm in a already guarded, anxious, tense state, I might hear someone saying really nice things, even loving things or compassionate things, but at that moment in time, I may not have that ability to internalize it. I may have a wall. And I've certainly recognized it. There's sometimes when I'm actually talking to someone who might be in a depressive state, I might hear them and they're listening, but I can hear right after they're hearing something they slip into this, yes, and they're right back in their state again. And and so changing your state is an important part of being more receptive to new belief systems. Um, whether you do it through hypnosis, um, meditation allows you to change your state. Um, exercise can change your state. Um, right now, for those that have... Um, um, been engaging in something like emotional emo, uh, emotional freedom technique, which has been popularized much. I know that Dr. Van de Kolk has used it. It's using actual pressure points that acupuncturists have incorporated to create an altered state while you're trying to change a belief. Um, doing certain guided meditations can alter your state. Um, uh, 
You know, those are all different examples. Uh, music can alter a state. We're creating a different state, and, and that is one way for you to think about how can I start to integrate new beliefs, and it's by creating this state that allows you to be more receptive to new beliefs. Um, I, I don't think that's the only way, but I do think that is one way. That is, there are some people you may have heard of that have gone into uh, hypnosis and had one hypnosis session and they've claimed uh, a change. And I think that's wonderful. And I I'm specialize and train in hypnosis. Um, however, I tend to adhere to, and I think sometimes when we go into a hypnotic se- session, we may be already primed and ready to make that change and Hypnosis just reinforces that movement forward. Um, However, I think if the thicker the issue, the the longer you've, the more rigid your belief system, you want to bring in repetition, which is the second way for belief change to happen. Think of how many times you've repeated a negative belief to yourself. (laughs) You know. Yeah, yeah. Especially after you go through like a a negative event, like a awkward interaction. Um, Absolutely. And them on a podcast. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 for sure. And then and then those yeah. beliefs tend to get repeated, and so we we already do the the practice of repetition. Trust me, all of us. You know, you're all skilled at repetition of beliefs that you've had for years. So, you know, I think. You already do that, but what happens, and if you recognize that every time you repeat a certain belief system, you're also equally reinforcing it, much like walking through the grass field. So you're actually strengthening a belief. Um, so when, if it's it, you're finding it's rigid, it's something that's been challenging for you to integrate, um, I would encourage people to do a re- rep- repetitiveness of exposure to new beliefs, and it doesn't always have to be through meditation or hypnosis or or mantras or affirmations. Um, it could also be through people that finding like-minding people and that that share common beliefs or or even aspiring to have people around you that that are more empowered and and, and have the types of beliefs you aspire to. And so, um, you know, there was an interesting thing I'd actually heard uh, said that when we surround ourselves by people who are operating, I don't know how to describe it, operating at a level perhaps that we are trying to move away from, who they themselves are depressed or negative or perhaps have um, patterns of thinking, uh, or patterns of behavior that are not the ones we aspire to. And that one of the issues around surrounding ourselves in a repetitive basis with people who operate at a, at a level that we're trying to move away from is that we will subconsciously start making decisions that um, allow us to feel connected to them. We all desire connection and Sometimes we will keep ourselves at that level so that we can still relate and be connected. So we might want to, when you're ready to make that change, 
start thinking about how can I um, access groups of people that are going to mirror the direction I'm working towards. You know, so if you're wanting to start believing in worth, in your self-worth, and in the fact that you um, have potential to be more, you might want to start hanging out with people that carry that orientation that are also promoting and supporting people to be more and and that look at people with worth and and so see what you're wanting to create for yourself and seek ways to repeatedly expose yourself to that environment and over time with repetition of exposure things will change and another example would be um you know, if you spend most of your days uh, looking at um, negative media and uh, most days looking at uh, uh, really, not to say we can't seek out entertainment, I enjoy entertainment myself, but if that is the bulk of the information I'm exposing my mind to and I'm not feeding it with life-giving circumstance information, um, that creating those changes is much harder, especially if we've already been embedded with negative beliefs when we were young. So we need to start looking for counter beliefs for people that are in alignment. And one thing I, I've always done since I was younger, I never ever felt intimidated by people that I thought were operating at a much higher level than me. Um, people that I aspired to, mentors. I've had mentors Along the way, through most of my journey, I continue to have them to this day. I believe in mentors. Mentors are not only ones that are people you know personally, although if you have no personal mentor, someone that you respect, admire, perhaps someone that you aspire to, you can find a mentor outside of you, outside of your circle. It might be uh, a speaker, an author, uh, someone that you admire in the public eye. Um, and you can surround yourself with that information as a starting point. There's an abundance of people out there that have wisdom and positive things to share. And you can include that in the realm of repetition. So I'm not only doing this in my own personal practice repeating, but I'm also exposing myself to things that will over time help me build those new neural networks, those new pathways. You're building. Yeah. If you're, yeah. If you're listening to this and you're like kind of a shy person, um, in my experiences, both like personally and from the people like I've met, people love to share um, their knowledge and they love to share um, and improve other people like most people I've met and I've been at quite a few people that's um, big on their list I think most people are good people even if they're like famous authors or um, something like this most people will take the time to kind of at least guide you in some type of way they might not spend you know a lunch with you but absolutely it's worth, absolutely worth reaching out and yeah. it's a starting point. And, you know, the, the one thing that I, I'm going to give you an example of 
first of how a belief can be um, um, self-fulfilling. I mean, you know, the brain is actually drawn to negative. Um, part of our survival is that we're drawn to more negative belief systems. And one of the reasons is because, you know, in the old days when we had to escape danger and uh, our lives were threatened, you need to pay attention to risks. I mean, there's a survival value in in recognizing some negative sources that are out there and 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 but today as we we're we where we're at today um uh that that is not we're no longer in in that situation of life threatening half of the things we imagine are in our head not even in reality you know i may be living these stories in my head that might not even match up with what people actually think of me they might not even match up with what I'm actually doing. I mean, I can, successful people who have achieved what in our eyes we would think that they've mastered some level of self-esteem may not actually have it. So it's, it's, um, it's something that I think if we're actually working on trying to counter a natural inclination to move to negative and, and, you know, and so these decisions you make to nurture more positive needs to be to some intent to some level intentional um rather than just hopeful there needs to be some action change you're doing to make it happen i i i don't believe in necessarily the magical pill that's gonna take that all away and um, so with practice, with the right environment, with daily rituals you put in place that will allow you to, and, and I'd like to give you one little tip. Um, I think a good time for you to start to work on belief change would be, you know, even implementing some kind of ritual into your life. And if I could recommend anything to people is dedicate 15 minutes to half an hour in, in your day to yourself. And if you can dedicate a time to yourself, think about doing it either in the morning or before you go to sleep. And uh, what you're doing is you're creating a reset button. You know, yesterday might have been a bad day, but I'm going to start my day and reset. Um, all the what might have happened yesterday or what I might be going through is... Um, uh, maybe still bleeding over into the next day. And sometimes when we're in states, one day bleeds into the other. We can't differentiate one day from another. So creating uh, some rituals in place, whether it's morning, uh, morning I do a meditation, I do a visualization. Perhaps maybe some mornings I do self-compassion exercises. I, I think... Learning self-compassion is really important in, in belief change because um, I think often, you know, wh one thing I find interesting is people are starting to change beliefs um, or starting to change their way of thinking. They can even reach a point where they're hard on themselves for not thinking positively and they start uh, judging themselves for not being a certain way. And I, and I think so. It's a double negative, right? I'm I'm already, I'm yeah, negative about turtle. myself for being negative towards yeah. myself. What's wrong with me? Why can't I be positive? Why can't I be positive? Here's my rule of thumb, and I would actually say, and you and I have talked about this earlier, Dylan, is that um, 
you know, the, the stronger a belief, let's say a belief is really strong, you know, it's, it's been there um, a long time, or let's say you've had a lot of trauma. Um, I've worked with some people that they're not able and they're not in the position to even being able to integrate a positive belief. Start with going neutral. You know, I, I think neutral is a better step than being on that level of negative. I, I had one client I worked with and she said to me, um, I'm not comfortable going positive. I'm just not. It's just, I, I get actually anxious when I start thinking positive. It actually makes me feel worse. It's not, I'm not even sure I'm actually thinking positive. I think I just get anxious about thinking positive. And sometimes there's anxiety about thinking positive because people don't want to get disappointed. You know, I don't want to become positive. If I'm positive and it's a lie, then I'm going to go through the depression. I mean, it's amazing what kind of um, rabbit holes we can find ourselves in around changing beliefs. So my rule of thumb is this. If, a, if you're really not able to integrate a belief that, that you can see might be more helpful for you, um, it might be time to actually stay with and f- do some work on um, what that block is. And that's going to be the topic of another show because that's a whole process. And, you know, yeah, we, I think that's a, a really good one. Um, there's a lot of things I can think of personally that I'd love to change in my life that I have spent a lot of time, you know, feeding into my head. Um, but there's still some kind of barrier to make that big leap to kind of commit. Absolutely. And, and so then the question is, how do you address that when, when in your efforts to really change something to be more positive you're finding a lot of block. And I also find when people have had a lot of trauma or there's a real negative event, if you've just undergone the loss of somebody or, or a major traumatic event, that's time for self-compassion. There's not always, um, it's time. Sometimes we need compassion for the grief and suffering that we go through before a belief can be changed. And, that is a process. Um, I've worked with some very high-functioning individuals who've had minimal trauma, and what I've found is that some of, they do. All of us carry, uh, you know, we'll call it what, whatever we want to call it, limiting beliefs, negative beliefs, um, but they're not as rigid and and uh, ingrained. There, there's more flexibility. So the same intervention I can do in two sessions and they can clear out that negative much quicker. But the thicker that negative has been a part of us, um, the more time it takes uh, to to work on that. And so uh, often what I will do is I will help people actually look at the part that feels negative and not in a judging way. We'll look at that part that feels is blocked and not willing or able to let in a new belief. And then we process that. But that is a whole other program. Um, right now, yeah, yeah. yeah we can uh, uh, look at this as a good introduction to changing beliefs and having some idea. I don't know if you have any questions about that, Dylan. Or I, I just think that um, the, 
way that you sort of explained it of like approaching it from a neutral standpoint. Um, I really like that because like you were also saying, there are negative emotions that you should be having. There are Absolutely. negative emotions that um, they, yeah, they mean something negative. And yeah. Um, the exploration of which one of these, like, is there something negative in my life that um, I need to address um, in person or is it something I need to address inside of me? Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's, so it's not always about overriding. And I think um, we don't always want to be pushing and, and, and forging and fighting our way into being positive and taking on this fighting stance. And, and then it, I find that that can be very fragile. And what happens is it doesn't take much to crack and, and to slip back into those old patterns because it was never really built on a solid foundation to begin with. And, you know, so how do we build that strong foundation? You know, I, uh, I, I will probably mention many times because I am dedicating this program to my mom. Uh, but she shared one piece of wisdom with me that I have taken with me throughout the course of my life that the most important relationship you will ever have in your life is the one you have with yourself. And um, if we cannot be at peace with who we are as people and come from a place of love, if we cannot integrate um, a sense of self-nurturing and within us, it, navigating life can be more challenging because um, we will encounter adversity. And if we can't be allies with ourselves, and sometimes we deal with a world that is not necessarily allying with us, an ally with us, it, life is much more challenging to navigate. And so I will stand by that, that your relationship with yourself is the most important one you can cultivate and well worth um, knowing how to do that, which is one, one thing I would like to be sharing with the public to, to develop that and cultivate that. I think that might be like a great kind of note to leave everybody on. I think it's a great <laughs> night to, to, to end the show. Um, yeah, that was yeah, yeah. beautiful. Thank you, Dylan. You're always so positive. <laughs> a great role model for positivity, but thank you. And and I, I always like having you um, here. I always enjoy being here. Thank you, Dylan. And so next um, next time we're going to have um, a guest, Sandra Sova, uh, which I'm excited. Sandra Sova is someone who's had some adversities in her life um, that she's dealt with, and she has undergone some considerable changes in how she deals with these adversities. And I think it's wonderful to hear personal stories of of change and to show that sometimes we can be in a place for a number of years and think that it's not even possible to have change that will be stuck in this dark corridor for a long time and hearing stories of change i think are integral for us to build faith that change is possible so i am happy to have um, Sandra share with us her story next time we meet so thank you Dylan for being here for always being such a great support and help anytime 
And I just want to say good morning, good afternoon, good night, whatever time you're listening to this. I hope you're doing well and uh, taking good care of yourself. And until next time, uh, take good care. Until next time. Until next time. Take good care.